stressed out? Why am I so stressed out? Um, so this year I got a new job and the new job is, um, fantastic. It's super interesting, but I'm also like underqualified. Now I didn't lie at all to get the job. Um, I think they were just mm -hmm. having a really hard time finding somebody and I was like enough of a fit that they hired me, but, um, I feel like I'm overpaid and underqualified. And so I'm just studying like crazy because it's a great job and I want to keep it. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been like literally reading textbooks like you can find me at a coffee shop reading a textbook this thick uh, on a oh, no. regular basis so that I can like get up to speed and then I'm taking a coding class online. So that's what I was just doing right before this is just coding. Coding, coding, coding. Is coding involved with the job? Is yeah. that part of the underqualified? Mm-hmm. Because I know the wrong programming language. So I learned Python last year. And they were like, but do you know R? And I'm like, nobody's even teaching R right now. Like, if you wanted to go take any data science certification, they're going to teach you Python. They're not going to mm -hmm. teach you R. And so I'm like, no wonder they couldn't find anybody because they're looking exactly. for the wrong programming language but all of their internal systems run on r so mm -hmm. i have to learn r or it sounds like pirates used it to program their like ships right like, yeah exactly like do you program on r r like you should have you should have done the interview with the patch that's probably <laughs> how you, you could, i mean you already got the job so i can't tell you how to do it you did it right Right. But now I actually have to learn the damn language and it's, you know, it's not that hard, but I hate coding. Um, I hate not knowing coding because whenever I don't know a language, I really make a big deal about it. And like, I build it up in my head and it feels very difficult, mm -hmm. but here's the thing. Like when you first learn it, they teach you, do you know any, do you do any coding? No, but I'm really flattered that you think I do. I have no idea, like who knows and who doesn't. Um, so I don't want to assume that you don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. like Some of my best of friends in the world, like out of like my top five friends, three of them code for a living. So I've heard a lot of code talk, you know, and like I'm in a group chat with a bunch of people that code except for me. And so like I hear it, but it's it's a different language. It truly is. It really is. And And the thing is like when they first teach it to you, they teach you the most difficult thing. Like it's the building blocks, like an if loop, a for loop, and the if then statements and the stuff that's really annoying. And you think, well, how on earth am I gonna do this complex algorithm based off of this? There's so much that I don't know, except for a bunch of smart people made like, they basically like made tools. So really you just download the package and then you go like, oh, I'm gonna use ggplot in this command and boom fancy thing pops out so it's not <laughs> you say that my understanding hard. of listening to these text messages is that you expect fancy thing to come out and then it comes out really gross and you go well it did come out so now let's play with it and try to get it to look like i'm trying to get it to look like exactly i mean it is essentially that you're like oh my god what's this other you could download this other package didn't you know about that oh yeah that's like aesthetic layer okay mm -hmm. um it feels like people are like, okay, a baby's going to come out and then a blob comes out, but it has eyes and a mouth. And they're like, we're almost there. I think we well, don't, we know. could work with this. We could work with this. <laughs> this is the start. How do you program skin? You know, like, and then they go back and do more of that sort of stuff. Exactly. But you know, I was supposed to, I, I, I feel like I was supposed to have learned it and gotten it under my fingers. Mm -hmm. Um, in let's say March, but it is June. Mm -hmm. And my boss is like, well, you know, there's some things that are holding us back from really like setting you free on like, you know, to, to run my own research projects and not have to like be, have my hand held. I'm still having my yeah. hand held. And like they fired another guy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, but there's so much about the work environment where being likable is like so entirely important. Cause if you're unlikable and not working, then get the F out. But if you're likable and not working, they're like, well, let's give them some time and ease them into it. Like they'll yeah. give somebody a year, a likable person will get a year to where an unlikable person will get two months, three months, which I think that's the way a life should be with everything. You know, like 
Yeah. I wish I could vote out unlikable people all the time, which I also know that means Aaron would get voted out sometimes. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> hey, I mean, my mom always says in Spanish, of course, she's like, none of us are a gold coin that everyone's going to want us. Yeah, so. no, for sure. Yeah, That's I how think I cope like, with it. Whenever I have, I have rejection, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not made of solid gold. <laughs> nobody is. I mean, that's I still collect baseball cards because I'm like, you know, one. I'm a comic. So I'm an eight year old in a in a 39 year old body. And I definitely know the baseball cards I want are not necessarily the most expensive ones. And so it's like, oh, yes, this is gold to somebody else who likes the Angels. But I don't care. I like the Cubs. Give me the Cubs. And they're like, the Cub card is like $5 and you have a $40 card. And I'm like, I want the $5 card. You know, like that's, and that's, I think, uh, an analogy for dating <laughs> is that there's people that are like, no, no, no. I want, like, we all search after the $40 card. You're like, but the $5 card you really want is the one that you're going to actually look at and value and enjoy. Yeah. No, and, seriously. Uh, so true. And people seem to not understand that, especially uh, men. Uh, especially grown men in children's bodies. They're just like, I just want the prettiest one. And you're like, the prettiest one might not even be the best one. Well, I, I was just talking to um, our mutual friend Campanelli about it. Um, mm -hmm. I have so many friends named John that I now just refer to him by his last name. Because um, he's, he's always lovesick about something or other. Yeah. And I'm like, you <laughs> He's what? always anxious. He's always an anxiety at a 10. I love it. Always, always. Like, and, and I say it to him, but also to myself of like, we have to find someone capable of loving us back. Like, that's uh, the first thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, if they're likable, I give them a year. And if they're unlikable, I give them two, three months. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I definitely find myself in that scenario where you're like, Am I being loved back? Is this person even able to do that? Oh, no, they're not. Okay, they're a sociopath. Got it. Or, I don't know, whatever it I is. I don't jump straight other... to sociopath. There's many shades of sociopath. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like how we, like, talk about people on the spectrum, and they're like, how far on the spectrum? There's like, well, yeah, but how far in all the other things, too? Mm -hmm. exactly. Not every time that we label anyone something they're 10 out of 10 of that thing wait uh before we get too far into this subject i wanted to first ask you because this leads into the next thing are you a genius and i don't know am i um are you I like mean, mensa I, if you, if i found out you were mensa right now that wouldn't even shock me um i'm up there i don't think i'm quite mensa but i'm like close i'm like mm -hmm. five to ten points away because I'm bad at math or something. <laughs> yeah, somebody good at math would know the exact amount of points away they were. Um, no, well, like, here's the thing about where I'm a dumb genius. Does that make any sense? Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm smarter than the general population, but, like, when I went to graduate school at UC Santa Barbara, I was around actual geniuses, mm -hmm. and they made me feel so stupid. It was the first time in my life because up to then, I had gone to public school, I went to a state school, and I was always, like, tippy top of everything like uh -huh. smarty pants and then i went around people who were like for real i could see that i could see like where it's like professional sports where like in high school like you were like the top and everyone's like she's gonna go pro genius mm -hmm. and then, then you're like the further you get up the genius ladder you're like oh wait i'm around other people that are as talented as me and now the pool is much different yeah exactly so yeah, yeah. uc santa barbara man a lot of people kicked my ass I had to be like, help me with my homework. How do I do this mathematical proof? Ah, ah. Like, yeah, I was, felt like I was like running around with my head on fire, just like mm. desperately trying to like do all these, all these Greek mathematical proofs and leaving, like when I left UCSB, I felt like so humbled and like such an idiot. And then I got my first job in finance and it was so boring and dumb. And I was like, I wish I could be doing all those mathematical proofs again. And like, why are you doing all this shit in fucking Greek? Like mm -hmm. I was doing beautiful mind shit. And then now I'm like just doing spreadsheets. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that all the school is like, they teach you how to do all these things. And then you go to work and you're like, work should be an extension of school or school should be an extension of work. Especially when, once you get to the point that you're like in a grad program, you're like, this is definitely leading towards a job. When you get to that job, they're still like, oh, yeah, it's not like that. And you're like, then what are we doing? Both systems are failing us. 
There's yeah. not a proper bridge. But I say that because every time I talk to you, you subtly, I don't, you know, I don't know if you do this on purpose or not, but it's like, there's a reveal where it's like, you're smarter than, um, than I think you are every time. And, <laughs> and that's not that I'm downplaying it. It's every time there's like something like, you know, like, like, oh yeah, yeah. I have all these degrees and I do this and I'm learning a computer programming language on the side of doing the language at my job. And you're just like, wait, what? Like, cause when I was like, you thought when you said you were underqualified, I was like, oh, I've been there. And then you learn. And then you're like, I have to learn a new language. I was like, I would have never, I would have never, I would have been like, no, we're going to waste everyone's time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, the confidence um, that I had. To, that, well, here's the thing. I feel like men and I've seen it will do exactly this. They will take a job they're not qualified for. And then, mm-hmm. you know, either they'll, they'll fail at it and then be like, whoops, I failed. But more often than not, they'll then go work their ass off and like fake it till they make it and figure Mm -hmm. it out and get there. And that's something I think a lot of women don't do where we'll be like, oh, I'm legitimately not qualified for this. Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And and we'll just shy away from the challenge. Like comedy in the comedy world, um, the Ha Ha Comedy Club is one that when I first went to a show there, when I came to LA, I was like, this place must be sexist. There's like two women on this lineup of 20 comedians. What's going on here? Um, It took me work to get past at that club. You know, a year Mm -hmm. later, I was on those lineups, right? And I thought to myself like, okay, what's really going on? Because now that I've gotten to know the people there, I don't think they're sexist, not a a bit. And Mm -hmm. I think what it is, is guys, tend to be a little bit more persistent like they'll go at it a little bit harder even when they're not qualified they'll get after something and eventually they like crack through and i think a Hmm. lot of times women will just be like oh okay well i guess they don't want me i'll go be sad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just a general lesson for any comedian listening is that i feel like it's always the word yet needs to be at the end of every rejection. Yeah. Because it seems like no matter what through time you get the ability and skill to get there. Mm-hmm. Just like the, but time is a variable, you know, like you just don't know what it is and the work is a variable, but yeah, no, like, cause when you first show up, you're past zero clubs, but yeah. that's just because you're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. Like it all seems to happen. Like the further and further I go down and this isn't, this is going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but you know, now that I'm like 10 years in, but still doing open mics and still doing bar shows and still doing some club shows. When I do some of like the open mics and stuff, I'll get like the, Oh, you were the best one. You're like, that's just because they don't have the experience I have yet. If all of these people had the 10 years and all the experience, it would be, it would be a much different showcase. It would be a showcase. It wouldn't be an open mic. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. And I, I try and always push myself further. Like if I'm the best, if I'm doing comedy shows where I'm the best one in the lineup, then I'm doing the wrong comedy shows. There's a yes and a no to that. It depends on what you're working on. If you're doing it just to show everyone you're better, well, then that is that's a problem. But if you're working out stuff, if you're working on new stuff, who gives a shit if you're the best or the worst in the lineup? You're working that's out true. the stuff. You got to work on your stuff. No, absolutely. But I've, I've been trying to keep that in mind because I feel like during the pandemic, I've been doing shows. I feel very mm-hmm. lucky that I've been doing shows. But on the other side of that, um, I feel like a lot of the shows, and I don't want to sound ungrateful, but it's kind of been like the pick of a of like a not so great pool of shows, pulling from a not so great pool of comics sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, and we could just miserable. pull the flyers up and figure out which one. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> honestly, it seemed like during the pandemic, the people that chose there was like two ways of thinking. I don't have to define what those two ways are. We kind of know. And those two pools of people hung out with those two pools of people. And there's very little of the Venn diagram of anything that touched in the middle. Yeah, exactly. And I think the best comics, the much better comics. Uh, a lot of them left LA or really took it seriously. They took shit very seriously and didn't go do very many shows at all. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if you are some of those people, there's not this desperate, are they going to forget me? It's like, I will sit here and I will wait. You know, like, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I have some friends that were definitely like that. And now they're starting to get shows. And that's when I was like, just like when Disneyland closed, I was like, this is serious. This is actually, if Disneyland's closing, that means the liability is higher than the money. And uh, when I was like, and then when these comics start doing shows again, that means the liability is low enough to be able to go out again. It was like, I was watching like other things as science. Mm -hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm starting to feel like this and maybe this sounds petty, but there were quite a few like very green comics who are doing, who are getting like what I feel is excessive stage time for their level in this city. Sure. (laughs) Um, And I am just petty me. I'm like, come back. I want the big dogs to come back (laughs) and fucking flood it, flood it so that getting stage time is something that is a matter of talent instead of uh-huh. who you know because that challenges me to be better challenges us all to be better and also makes those suckers pay their fucking dues get to the back i think in the next buddy. two weeks that's gonna happen <laughs> i okay no i had an issue with this where i was actually getting just genuinely bitter walking around town about exactly that this wasn't even during pandemic i was just like oh these people are rising for the wrong reasons and those ones and this one you know like and i was like deborah dg Giovanni's just not getting like the like the love she deserves mm-hmm. like i feel like she should be the biggest comic in the world i think she's 100%. the funniest and so it's just like so it wasn't even like a matter of like all those other things i was like mad at like looking at other people i'm like marcella doesn't get enough work lisa curry doesn't get enough work and then i was just like how are they not getting more but these people are you know like and then it just like occurred to me, it's like, I need to not worry about any of this shit. The only right? thing that's going to actually matter is what energy I put into my set. And can I do that tonight? You know, yeah. like getting up as often as possible, working on my stuff. Because honestly, whatever happens to those people, those comics, like, or whatever happens to the ones that got shots that didn't deserve it, none of that affects me. It really doesn't. I mean, the best thing we can do for our own mental health is just focus like uh, horse blinders focus on what's right in front of yeah. me. Am I getting the stage time I need? Yes or no. If not, what can I do to change that? Uh, if yes, what am I doing to make the most of it? And I shouldn't care literally about anything going on with yeah. any other comedians. I feel like five <laughs> or six years in, it overtook me for like two years. And like friends even talked to me about it. They're like, you seem really bitter. And I was like, I am very bitter. But I also have to work through this because I'm also not going to give up on comedy but what's the deal? Like I'm bitter now and I didn't want to become this bitter, but here I am. And now I got to work my way out of it. Yeah. I would, I would describe myself more as petty than bitter, but yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I got to bitter. It starts as petty. The first pill was, was petty. And then when I was like, I like these petty pills, it became straight up bitter. Like I became bitter. <laughs> It's like a drug now. I was on yeah. some hard bitterness, but you know, I felt like yeah, I exactly. hit rock bottom when. And I'm warning you, that's the gateway drug. Petty's the gateway drug to bitter. Oh, no. <laughs> at the end of it, you're like, this is all going to level out. I never saw anybody get something they didn't deserve and have it not be completely obvious once they got it. And that's, that's petty Aaron sitting there and going, okay you, you, you got what you wanted but you weren't ready so let's see how this works out oh not well good for you mm-hmm. on the other side i've seen people who overly deserve something get something and then just destroy it and like, very little has been vice versa they destroy it like meaning in a good way or in a, bad in a way? good way in a good like way. i okay. think sam Comro <laughs> was five years too late to be discovered you know, like where he was like ready to be discovered way before America's Got Talent put him on. And so when he got there, he just did great. Mm-hmm. You know, he like, and it was just like, it. of course he did. There was, there's no doubt in my mind that he was going to do great when he got it. Yeah. I want to start being more encouraging to people too. Like, even though I'm starting to be, I, I have like that little petty thing pulling on one arm. I've, I've noticed that when I'm feeling my most down and discouraged about comedy, I'll then have a friend who will say something like, Kat, if you buckle down and you write and you focus on being a great comic, you're going to get discovered in two years, uh-huh. I promise, because you're amazing. And I'll be like, wow, thank you. I really needed to hear that. Now I'm like, uh-huh. I need to be positive for people like that because that is such a, it's like, uh-huh. oh my God, thank you for the life jacket. I needed it. <laughs> well, Oh, I know it's hard, but at the same time, you can, people can listen to my last 15 episodes. I think I've been fans of all of these friends of mine. 
And now that we're 10 years in, I'm legitimately fans of these people. They've gotten to the point that it's not like, I like what they're doing. I'm fans of them to watch somebody just be like, Oh, I enjoy watching their set. Like Tony Baker was a guy when I first started, he was crushing the open mics. I feel like where I'm at now is where he was when I moved to town 10 years ago. And I was just like, Oh yeah, no, I always watch Tony. He's, he's a blast. And now I'm just like genuinely a fan. Like it would be like running into Tony Baker feels a little bit like running into Jack Black, you know, like, and it's a guy I've known forever and friends with, you know, like and, and all that other stuff. And so it's easy to do that. And I kind of like getting lost in that right now where it's just like, oh no, like, look at that. Not only am I fans of them, they're fans of me and we're friends and that's incredible. And I like see it from an outside. And I think that can help you too. Like there's people you're fans of, I'm sure you're friends with, and I'm sure they're fans of you back. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's, that's one of the truly cool the best. things about comedy and and one way I can tell what that I'm doing well or getting better is who wants to be my friend. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, the popular kid thing at high school. Yeah, it, it's kind of the popular kid thing, but it's more so the the funnier people like mm -hmm. people are more funny, more accomplished. I know I'm getting funnier and more talented because they are willing mm -hmm. to give me the time of day and talk to me and be my friend. For sure. And that's where I go. Okay. Okay. I seem like someone worth being friends with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like I was saying about the Sam Comro thing, I feel like the longer it takes for them to discover me, the more I'll just knock it out of the park when I get that shot. And so I'm just like, Oh, you know what? I challenge you to sit on me for another three years. Watch what's going to happen when I get that shot. It's going to be devastating. Yeah. In the I best mean, way. I, I learned early on when I moved to LA, why I don't want to be discovered too early, like earlier than my time, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe yeah. my time is now, but it definitely wasn't then. Um, so what happened was this, I did a big festival, uh, laughing skull and someone from NBC, like a high up person was like, I want to bring you in for a general. And I want to mm -hmm. hear like, what are your ideas to let's talk. I was three years into comedy, dude. Mm -hmm. That is early. <laughs> yeah. That is early as hell. Um, to be getting a meeting with a network. So of course I wasn't ready. I was too green. And I mean, I had some show ideas because luckily like I had a mentor who was a comedy writer and who was like guiding me along. So I had a few and I, I you know, I shared them with, with them and they were like, we're interested. Um, are your pilots ready to be like read like for us to like send it so we can look at it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I got super in my head and I like went to a, a script consultant because I wanted them to take a look. And then I had all these revisions to do. And then I was like, you know, working really hard on that. And then by the time I felt like I was ready, because like four months went by, mm -hmm. uh, he left my, my champion, mm -hmm. my guy, my guy was my in at NBC Universal went yep. away to another, um, not even to a network. I think he went to, uh, another company all to, he just like changed industries. that um, happens those those people all move around the crazy thing is is he's gonna surface again in another couple of years with another company yeah and so i mean i hope uh, he still watches my stories I, I hope he's still keeping track of me and, and what i'm doing and that maybe he'll be at a another company that can give me mm -hmm. an opportunity again at some point in the future but i look back on that i'm like I blew it kind of, but I didn't really blow it. Like, it's not like I gave them the script and it was dog shit. I just wasn't ready. And now I know yeah. I'm like, okay, when the time comes and, and this really is my goal, I want to have like three pilots ready because I've heard that when you pitch shows, usually they'll go, we love that. What other ideas do you have? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, fuck, okay. Got to have three written pilots that are network pitch ready <laughs> mm -hmm. and at least my goal is at least one feature completely written um that way when the time comes i'm like here here you go i have all the things <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what jerry seinfeld calls the comedian package mm -hmm. he goes there's a point where like somebody does a thing and they get asked to pull the comedian package so like for chris rock because this is the example he had for him was it was like he had his hour that no one had really discovered yet, but he was post SNL and they go, we're ready for you to do the comedian package. Here's your special. Here's your shot at a TV show and here's your film. We'll see which one hits. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just like, yeah, no, there's going to be that point and there's no reason to not be ready for it. But it's also an understanding of like, good for you to know that you weren't ready for it. Yeah. I recognize that day one of comedy because the first open mic I ever did was I stood in line outside of last comic standing like an idiot. So zero material, zero experience. I was like, I'm funny, but I was in line for three days. And for those three days, you're like, I'm not ready for this. Like what, it, what, even, what do I even do if I do well, if I accidentally do well, I'm not ready to win the show by any stretch. I'm not ready to do the second episode. And so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I should take my time and try to do this right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much we don't know about the journey when we start. <laughs> oh, it's all dumb. It's crazy. It's just running into walls. Constantly. Oh, my gosh. Although even now, I feel like it's embarrassing to even say what my goals are. Just last night, I was with a friend and she's like, so what do you want to get out of all this? And I'm like, I don't know. World domination. Um, what, what do you want me to say? Like, you know, you know what I want out of this. Like, don't make me okay. say it and jinx it. But would world domination honestly make you happy? Mm. I had a comic talk to me about how they weren't happy. And they were like, how are you happy? You haven't done enough in comedy to be happy. And I was like, no, happiness isn't linked to comedy. <laughs> I thought that's, the, that's how people kill themselves. That's true. That's true, though. Because there's so many comedians who kill themselves. And I think it's exactly that. They're wanting the world domination. They want it back. Yeah, and, and then they, they dominate the world and, be, and they're still empty. Terrible. And you go, you forgot to actually say, what it is you need fulfillment from. We have to be a human. There's the human side and then there's the success side. And the human mm-hmm. side, it consists of like having the friendships, relationships of any kind, be they family, friendships mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, those that the feeling be- like a sense of belonging, that like warm hug, you need that. That's really mm-hmm. big. <laughs> and not yeah. just superficial relationships, which you could have a lot of in LA, like a lot of fake friendships. With, which are like the popular kid friendships that are like, as long as you seem like you're doing well and like you're somebody who's going to be someone, they'll be your friends. And I imagine the second they stop thinking you're going to be someone, they kind of f- go mm-hmm. away. Um, I think you need those. That That's soft, the soft stuff, the warm, mushy stuff. And you can have that whether or not you're successful. But that's like mm-hmm. essential. The success stuff is all just like, would be nice. It would be nice. To have a an infinity pool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I that's not at all. Like I want to know that my bills will be paid forever. I don't need fancy things. But I know what you're saying. It's exactly that. Essentially, I want to create something that has action figures, is what I want. I want to be able to be like, oh, kids play with an idea that I have. So you need to write the next toy story, is what you need to do. Or Rick and Morty, one or the other. There I don't go. care which. Or, or SpongeBob. Something along those lines. Oh, yeah. No, I would be so thrilled. All of those things, I'm fans of. You named a bunch of things that I idolize. <laughs> it's super easy to be like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, the way I'm trying to think about it, about like the world domination. So I just read Tiffany Haddish's book. And I love that she called it that. And I respect her and love her that much more for being brave enough to say it where people go, what do you want? I want to take over the world. I want to be the next Oprah. Uh I'm like, you know what? Applause. Round of applause for saying it out loud because I feel like an idiot if I say that that's my dream and that's what I want and what I've always wanted. But like she actually said it Uh and that's awesome. She was brave enough because people poo poo that they give you the evil eye. They wish you ill as soon as you say that you have ambition. So I keep. My so what? We moved out here to have ambition. Nobody moved out here without wanting something like that. So why would I be shy now? It's harder. I physically packed up my life and moved out here. I'm not going to at the time of saying the sentence, go up then and be like, you know what? Let's be humble now. Yeah, I always want people go. So what do you want out of this? Like, do you want to act? Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, yeah, I would like, um, I want to act. I want to get roles that pay me and I make a living, but you only see my arm in the background. That's what I want. 
So like, I'm going to be a good, humble little girl and tell you some good, humble little girl ambitions. Uh -huh. No, motherfucker, we all want to dominate the world. Why are we even having this conversation? <laughs> Although you did just describe the villain from Inspector Gadget. You only see his arm. And he gets <laughs> <That's> lines. True. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, the, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. To be like, no, this is what I want. That would be like if you were playing basketball at a high level and somebody would be like, what do you want? To be like, oh, to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame, of course. Boom. For sure. Yeah. By the way, I don't want to act. I'll say that very clearly because it's like, if I wanted to act, maybe I'd do that instead of stand-up. I had a friend that was like, hey, you ever want to start a band? Just because, you know, like I play guitar in my room. And I was like, no, I would start a band if I wanted to start a band. That's true. I mean, I, I've been doing acting for a really long time and I would love to act again. I just don't have acting representation. I love, I also love doing standup because the truth of the matter is like, I love performing. And yeah. Stand -up but also, I mean, for that, you do a lot of sketches because you love acting. Mm -hmm. Well, And so it's like that sort of thing. It's like, I can't, I, I have no control over acting really. Like I could do some sketches, but, uh, Stand up, I have some control in comparison um, where I can go and I can get my performing needs, mm -hmm. you know, but. And you're saying that at this level, but at the next level, when you break through, you have even more control to control even more acting. Mm -hmm. so, and that's why I don't know. I think that's why stand up is so awesome. <laughs> I, I would love to do both, you know, and there's so many people who have done both. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock. Um, Ray Romano, Kevin James, they all have um, their show. Yeah, um, anyone that my family can name, um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Ellen DeGeneres. Well, she was more of a talk show person than an acting person. So. At this point, but I mean, she was an actress. She yeah. went to talk shows because acting kind of turned their back on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that wasn't fair or good. I want to ask you some financial advice. Sure. Because you have the degree for it. I do. And it's become a bizarre hobby for many of us during this pandemic. Okay. <laughs> no, I saw you comment something on Facebook about why you don't invest in crypto. Yeah. Explain this to me because you said something really interesting in that comment. Um, I don't remember what the comment was. <laughs> it was basically saying that since there is no actual transaction, like it's not used like a dollar, more like a stock, it's really yes. based in... Just oh, a yes. myth. It's an asset. It mm -hmm. absolutely. Well, first of all, it cracks me the hell up because half the people who were like crypto can be the next currency feel that way because the dollar isn't backed by gold. And mm -hmm. I'm like, neither is crypto, you idiot. Um, <laughs> it's only worth something because you believe that it's worth something, but it's basically Neo points. Um, if you remember Neo pets from the 2000s <laughs> um, I don't but I knew what you were saying yeah it, it's just it's only worth something because you believe that it's worth something and you can use it so money is defined by three things let's see if I can remember them from econ um whether it's like a store of value um like a something that measures value and currency mm -hmm. like can be used as a, a means of exchange What's the third one? I'm such an idiot. I'm like, I don't know. You're the one with the, the degree. I'm just know, trying to right? pick off of your degree. Three I'm like, I just got a podcast. I can talk to my friends with college degrees and learn a little bit of what they learned in college. Um, um, wait, wait. So, so you don't invest in it is I don't essentially. I, I want to remember what, what the third thing is for investment and money. Of course. Be, um, okay. An accepted method of exchange, a measure of value and a means of payment. Those three things. Okay. Um, and okay it's all three of those but i take issue with the measure of value because it's always changing that's the thing like for something to be a, a currency that you really want to use day to day it's got to be stable to a to a, a major degree and the us dollar is pretty stable when i say stable somebody out there is gonna go oh but what about inflation what about inflation look over the larger course of time, you can predict what something's gonna cost on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis. I know that a loaf of bread is gonna be, let's say, 429 at Ralph's. 
And I'm going to go there and I'm going to buy that loaf of bread. And tomorrow it's going to be 429. And a month from now, it might be 439. But I generally know how to budget my bills, my groceries. I can budget, you know, how much a haircut is going to cost. I generally know what my rent will be. And I can think and plan ahead for my retirement. I know how much I need to save because approximately there will be, let's say, you know, one to two percent inflation per year and you can do the math to incorporate that you like kind of work backwards and you go well if i know there's going to be inflation then i need to save a little bit more to make Mm -hmm. up for that to have the amount that i need to have for when i'm 65. um and having a very stable currency facilitates all of that whereas when you have a currency that is all over the place why are you gonna order a pizza for $20 today, when that $20 tomorrow is worth 50,000. Suddenly you've got a $50,000 pizza you just ordered like an idiot. Well, first right? off, that was 15 years ago. <laughs> it is a no, real thing exactly that, happens, that but... Yeah, that's a real thing that happened to someone bought a pizza with Bitcoin and the amount that that would have been now is 55,000 or something. Mm-hmm. insanity absolute insanity but the thing is it it fluctuates i have a hundred bucks in bitcoin and a hundred bucks in ethereum why because mm-hmm. i was like fuck it let's just see what happens yeah um where is it today i think i put six i put 550 dollars on crypto like three weeks ago i bought a bunch of different ones and then two days ago it was at 400 and that's like when i like asked you to do the podcast i was like explain to me Right, because I was losing What's the money. What's going on? It's all timing. It's all. I know, timing. and right now it's five fifty again. So I'm like, wait, now I'm breaking even. Yeah. But like, it was crazy to watch it like just dip down. Yeah, and mine then... at some point was at three hundred fifty. Now it's at two seventeen. It was originally two hundred. Um, it it's very much a unpredictable asset that you can put your money into if you want to. Uh, everybody's different. That's something that we learn in, in finance mm-hmm. and econ that everybody's got different thresholds for uncertainty that they're willing to put up with. Um, and that's based off of your own brain chemistry and your life and your experiences. And some people are really willing to take on a lot of risk. They'll go, yeah, sure. Maybe it's going to go to zero, but I'm going to put a thousand bucks into this and maybe it'll skyrocket. And yeah. And sometimes those people win, but what no one talks about is when those people also lose, which they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard horror stories of people who um, lose all their money in the stock market and they end up, you know, murder suiciding their whole family because they have nothing left. Um, yeah. No one talks about that. We only hear about the good stories. Um, mm-hmm. So, me personally, um, just my philosophy because I'm not a huge crazy risk taker. I mean, I'll take some risk, but um, it's very like measured. Uh, I prefer investing in things where I know that it's backed by something real. So like, maybe I will buy a stock, uh, a share of Apple. Why? Mm -hmm. Apple is a real company. Uh, Their stock is actually based on something that I can explain easily to you. It is based off of the value of that company divided mm-hmm. by the number of shares that are out there and each of those shares is valued <laughs> i feel like i'm going in a circle um it is valued based off of the present value of all future dividends in going assuming forward. they're saying the truth yeah i watched the we work documentary and i was like oh i get it oh no um but so like a dividend for those who are listening and are not very familiar with the investment um every quarter or year or so a company will take its profits and then divide all the profit by the number of shares and everybody who owns a share gets their little dividend their little divided piece Mm -hmm. of the profit um there's so many shares out there that usually one share can mean like oh you got a dollar um (laughs) that's yeah but if you have a many like then you get a bunch exactly a lot of dollars exactly i dated a girl like 10 years ago whose mom owned a bunch of money in Starbucks and she would literally get Starbucks gift cards sent to her from the company. Like, Hey, like that's how they set up their dividends Mm -hmm. was. It was like, all of a sudden she got like $20 gift cards and she's like, here you go. And you're like, wait, what? And she was just like (laughs) handing them out to like her friends and whatnot. Oh, that's crazy. She must have had like a lot of, a lot of dollar shares uh, there. 
um, probably from like early. She got in early. She's from Seattle. So like she saw it really like sort of take off and was like, oh, this could be the McDonald's of coffee. It was right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's the thing is when you invest, if you invest in something real that has actual potential, it's a concrete thing, you know, Disney, you buy a share of Disney, that's fucking Disney. Like, you Mm -hmm. know where their money is coming from. You know where their value is coming from. Yeah, their money's coming from me. Exactly. From a consumer. And if you watch the news, you can know when to sell your Disney stock. You could be like, oh, oh, shit. They uh, just fired their CEO and instead they hired Kim Kardashian. She doesn't know how to run a Disney. I'm going to sell because I think they're going to lose profit. Um, I would sell because they killed all those Avengers in that movie. You know, I was like, (laughs) oh, bad move. Right. They could just do prequels forever. Um, yeah, Thanos just snapped my shares right away. I watched it. I was like, no, nope, not mm-hmm. playing this game, Disney. So m- my point at the end of the day is like when you yeah. compare crypto to then other alternative options for investing um, in the long run, the investing in real companies, it, it doesn't have that dramatic. Oh, my gosh. In a year, everything doubled. But in you you can still have things go up by quite yeah. a bit faster. so is crypto purely gambling yes it's purely gambling yeah okay um it goes up based off of how many people are buying crypto which mm-hmm. that explains why crypto bros are so crazy about promoting crypto they're it's like a cult because frankly it's like tinkerbell they oh, I get that. No, I didn't get it. that until I bought crypto. Just mm-hmm. like I didn't learn about the stock market until I bought stocks. I didn't learn about crypto until I bought crypto. And then I joined a crypto Reddit group. And they're like, oh, no, you have to promote this. Otherwise, you're not like, because the more other people are buying and the more they're doing it, then the more the value goes up. Because this is really like I'm buying money in a word of mouth, essentially a meme, you know, like and you're just like, oh, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, you're like, because I also don't want to. Can you guys all do that? And then I'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah, no, it's all about promoting the crypto. It's it's almost like a pyramid scheme, like an MLM is you you buy it while it's low, promote the crap out of it until it mm-hmm. gets high enough. And then you make a, a decision where you go, okay, it's as high as, it th- as I think it's going to go. I don't think it's going to go higher. I'm going to sell now. At some point, everybody who's got it while it's super high they're all going to make the decision at the same time. You hope that that doesn't happen. But if they all yeah. make this choice to sell at the same time, it's going to dip like crazy. And that's when you see like those drops because it was at like almost 60,000 before or it was at 60,000 and then mm-hmm. it went all the way down to 30. And that's because yep. at the same time, a fuck ton of people were like, peace. I <laughs> sold right before that. I mean, like when I started before that, like two months before that, and then it crashed. And then I was like, well, I better buy back in. And then I'm like, why? I was happy not having it, but it was the idea that like, no, this could double again. Yeah. I'm it's like, pretty much paid for my dental bills. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Like there's a part of me that's regretting that I, I've been a total anti-crypto person for years, but had I invested even a little bit when I was an anti-crypto person four years ago, I would be like, paying off my student loans <laughs> i know i know that's the thing it's like i was like i don't know my smart financial friends aren't doing it yeah my dumb financial friends are and they're profiting and so i'm like i don't know what's happening i don't know what to do and that's why i was like i'm okay with putting 500 in and if it goes away then it doesn't and if it does well well then good for you you know like i'm okay with that yeah i, I would say this though about your smart financial friends i bet anything that they make the money that your dumb financial friends are making off of crypto. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, that could, yeah. Their they, salary but, is already more than your crypto friends are making. That's probably true, yeah. With the exception of they don't have to tell everybody on the internet so you have so people continue to buy more. Yeah, they just make Because part of the crypto, was it, um, what am I, algorithm, part of the crypto algorithm is talking about it online. Yeah. To where the other people are like, no, it's based on sales and customers coming in and doing things. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many other ways to think about investing besides stocks and besides crypto. Um, I like to think about investing in myself as something pretty big. Like, that sounds emotional. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, learning to code. 
Okay. That was, I mm -hmm. got a certificate through General Assembly to learn Python um, in January of 2020. It cost $4,000. In January of 2021, I got a new job and I got it because I knew Python. And that increased my salary by about $40,000 a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, yeah, that's, that's a way better huge. investment than anything I've ever bought. So instead of feeling bad that I didn't buy crypto, I'm like, no, 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 hold on. I did something way better. Um, yeah. Because that that's a huge. That's another person's return. yearly salary. Exactly. Um, so how many of my friends made 40 grand in crypto and how many of those friends are going to keep making that additional 40 grand a year over the course of their lifetime because their salary went up because that generally speaking, your salary doesn't like go up and then come back down. It like it goes up and that's like built into what I'm going to make now. So are you time. telling me I should invest in cat coin? <laughs> yes. Cat Alvarado. Guys, check her out on her Instagram at the Cat Alvarado. A-L-V-A-R-A-D-O. Or her Twitter, also at the Cat Alvarado. Those are important. And then she also hosts a podcast called Villains of History. She says uh, that she's going to start up another season soon. It takes a lot of research every episode. And I like those kinds of things. I mean, you guys listen to my Star Wars podcast. It uh, took a lot of research. And it was Star Wars. Heaven forbid if it was actual history. But that's what she did. She did. And by the way, check out the previous seasons. If you haven't checked it out, go look for one of your favorite villains of history and have her explain it to you. Why not? You heard me. I've questioned multiple times in my life. Is Cat a genius? And she's just really like not telling me about it because she's, you know, like, but I want her to explain things to me. Hence this episode. I was like, can you explain finance to me? I'm like getting into finance now that I'm almost 40 and I need somebody who knows. I need a grown-up. So Cat Alvarado, the grown-up, the host of uh, History's Villains of History podcast. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, as you do every episode. Not that I expect everyone to listen to every episode. You know what I'm saying. You know, my brother says these are the most um, non-confident you'll see me <laughs> at the end of these. But it's the most by myself in a room having to promote myself it's a weirder thing this is definitely weirder than talking to a person talking to a person is a game a back and forth of you know throwing around enjoyment this is just me plugging things so i guess it doesn't feel but that's that's what people do well, i should get over it okay anyway uh <laughs> the next week next week is a very interesting episode it's either my best or worst episode ever depending on your personality Tell you the honest to God truth. It's becoming my catchphrase to say that. Um, is I have Coco Briscoe. Uh, legally known as Nicole Briscoe. Don't know if I should give legal names. But she's a friend of mine that I met years ago working at Flappers. And we started talking. And I'll tell you, this is like the, the little bit I'll give you. The day we were supposed to film this episode, she canceled. She goes, I'm sorry, I'm getting drunk in a bar. Um, so let's do it tomorrow. And I was like, perfect. And then I sent her the Zoom link the next day and she opens it and we're recording and she's at a bar. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And, uh, and the whole episode's recorded in a bar and it's very funny, but it's also talking to somebody in a bar. And so I am very interested about your feedback. If, uh, if you're like, oh, you didn't say who your is, it's you. If you're listening, I'm very interested about your feedback of what you think of that episode. Because I had a really fun time doing it. But I also understand if you're like, Aaron, this is a person on speakerphone at a bar. People are yelling. Like, outside voices are yelling in. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, you have to listen. It's a fun time. I had a fun time making the episode. So you have to listen to that episode and tell me what you like or don't like about it. Uh, if I get the enough messages that say, please never do that again, you could have rescheduled I'll never do that again. I'll reschedule. But if you guys are also like, 
Nah, I kind of like the randomness of all that. Let me know that too. I'll make them a little more random. I'll call these people out of the blue. I swear to Christ. So that's what's coming next week. And I'm really excited to drop it. I was excited to drop this one too, by the way. This is all, I get excited every week. I feel like every week I tell you guys, this person's my favorite person to talk to every week. And I just, I just love my friends. Can I just love my friends? Is that too much? Okay, I'm happy. I'm vaccinated. I'm going out doing shows again. I'm going to wrap up this and go do a show right now. I'll tell you guys about that one when I film the next one. Um, and I'm seeing friends again. And it's fun. So I'm excited. I'm in love with having friends and seeing friends. I watched my friend Summer get married. That was supposed to happen a year and a half ago. It was a great wedding. If you have an extra year and a half to plan your wedding, you have no excuse. Should be great. Hers was great. Perfect wedding. Uh, reminded me of my sister's and how perfect my sister's wedding was. My sister had a perfect wedding. Um, but the difference is different personalities. So they thrive in different things. And they both highlighted different things. You know, like my sister's wedding was nothing like Summer's wedding. But they both showed the personalities of both people heavily. And it was just a fun party that celebrated them and their unity. And I don't need to explain what a wedding is. So I'm going to get off um, the, the phone. The podcast. Okay, you know what? It's time I leave. I'm too coffeeed up. I'm too excited to go do a show in front of people. Real faces, not just pictures of faces. This is the difference between talking to an audience and talking to a board of guess who. So, as always... Thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me. I gotta be me.